podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt Myra. I'm Andrew Secunda. Uh, welcome on the journey of a thousand episodes. A thousand? Well, not quite. But if we did every episode of everything, it'd be like 790-something episodes. Really? And what percentage would you guess were good out of that many? Oof. That's a great question. Thanks. 62%. That's not a... Wait, did you say great or good? Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's say good. 62%. Oh, no. <laughs> it was going to go down if you said great. What is, how much would great be? Uh, great would probably be there's like 15% of the episodes yeah. are great. Sadly, that's, that's usually the way that most shows yeah, rank. Totally. And, and people are usually, for, for like a 22-episode season, that's usually how they rank. Right. And this is 26? Uh, this particular season is, yes. But we're counting two-parters as one. You know, there's a lot of fuzzy math sure. happening sure. here and there. Um, do you know what I realized? Do you want to go... You want your volume up, Andy? Maybe. Andy's thumbs-upping himself like... I'm, I'm also so- saying I'm awesome. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a little bit more, but okay. I, don't, I don't want you, you to... Peek. All right, you judge yourself. You were just, heading, you were heading there's into, been a lot of back and forth from the audience. You were heading into red. Well, oh, you know what's funny about that is yeah. it's not it's not if you look at the I will happily screenshot the levels of these for everybody <laughs> to see because Andy's <laughs> waveform is exactly as loud as mine. Is. Uh-huh. I level each track individually, then together. I'm, so you know, it's my. Uh, you just have one of those. You're it's like, the nanobots in my blood <laughs> your and voice, affecting my vocal. Components. Your voice is like a vampire's reflection. <laughs> Exactly. I'm a Borg. What are you going to do? It's not quite there. Um, but what I was going to say is I think it's funny that we always beam out of the podcast, but we never beam into the podcast. We don't beam into the podcast because we just come out of the of the credits and we're talking. Oh, we're, be- wow. we're beaming in. No, I'm talking right, during the beam. Oh, it's okay. You can do that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's canon. But then if you're going to do that, don't we have to start sharp? Like, you beam us in, and then we're... Wait, you don't think we were just super sharp? I thought we <laughs> fucking crushed. Well, I thought you sort of eased them in. You know what percentage of this whatever podcast bullshit is good? Talking about 62% of this podcast <laughs> This is, is a very high number. <laughs> that is much higher than we deserve. Uh, so, do we have uh, Q-Who? Q-Who? What was this one? Q-Who. <laughs> uh, no, this is Hide and Q. Hide and Q. Q-Who is a later... Q-Who is two right. season deuce. Right. Um, this is... This is your Q second gives Q Riker a bunch of powers. That's a great synopsis and accurate. Yeah. Maybe I should start that way and then you can give the actual 
rundown. That's a very good point. Um, and Matt, would you recommend that they watch that? You you said last week, yes. Do you stand yeah, by that? I do stand by that. Stand by. This is a very. I would describe this episode as being so, so Gene Roddenberry, hmm. like out of control. Gene Roddenberry. Interesting. So much of his taint is on this episode. <laughs> what are the What are the elements? Uh, just great. I don't mean great, but I mean like a large sort of uh, swath of discussion about what makes humanity humanity. That's true. Um, an individual struggle with a lar- with a with a more powerful being, uh-huh. um, and a crew that has to uh, outsmart everyone individually. It's like very like it's a very. It's very like humans. We're better than you thought. Right. That's sort of the Gene Roddenberry. That is the Gene Roddenberry ethic. It's like, hey, guess what? We're not as dumb as you thought. Is it? Is it a weird um, sort of almost like an acceptable xenophobia? Because it's literally just actual aliens that he's saying that we're better than. <laughs> He's not saying no. He's not saying that we're not better saying a, than one aliens. race better than another race he's on saying, Earth. He's saying that humanity is better has than, a potential and is better than it used to be. Right, which I think is always the case. Yeah, that actually I guess is is something that I can get behind a little. What's bit your Wi Fi network, Andy? I'm not on it for some reason. Uh, well, I don't want to say it on the. What's it end in? On the air, but uh, you can tell me what it ends you in. You can look at it. No, no. Just tell me the last number in it. Will you cut it out? If I, you tell me the last number in your Wi-Fi name? I'm not saying anything that that's going not, on to the internet. That will not have anything to do with anything. I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. I don't, even, I don't even like that you said I have Wi-Fi. Oh, <laughs> uh, buddy. Are you on? Not yet. You but should have the code. I do. It right. usually is like auto, automatic. Um, it's all automatic. So you know how we never really are sure of what the format of this program is. I do. I I wait. I I am. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, me either. We have to open hailing frequencies. I believe. Captain, we are being hailed. Oh, he says he doesn't know, and he has the button ready. First time he's ever had a sound cue ready. Guys, I think you're looking. Moment. You may be looking at a whole new Star Trek Next Conversation. <laughs> you as I just... loaded everything into my iTunes. And, Whoa. Uh, Is that real? You did that? Yeah. Oh. I'm sure that it'll screw up in some way before we're done. But, I'm uh, genuinely. I, like, I say it as though the iTunes is the thing that will screw up. <laughs> um. All right, let's uh, let's hear some emails and and tweets that uh, that people communicated to us sent out over subspace. Um, Saqib Mahajer, mm-hmm. uh, I hope I'm getting even close on that. Saqib, um, he says this is a little bit of a long one, but there were some valid points. A few quick points about the battle um, uh, that episode. Uh, does no one find it odd that f- the Ferengi delegation is allowed to beam directly onto the bridge? Absolutely. Uh, how is that compliant with secu- security protocols? As a delegation from a foreign government, shouldn't they be 
received in the transporter room like i don't know everyone else ever <laughs> uh second why does the frangi ship have no equipment or instrument panels when they're on screen damon bach and kizago are sitting on a plain white room with no controls or even furniture um it's just a weird white screen effect that has bumped me or it um, has really yeah i feel like actually the answer to both those things is the same which is they were like, "Well, let's not let's not uh, have a production move from the bridge. Let's just shoot the rest of this scene here, um, and certainly. in the bridge. Certainly. I mean, and, if you think uh, about, and let's not put the money into doing the Frankie ship. What was I watching? Okay, so I was on YouTube the other day, as I often do, looking at Star Trek videos, and I was watching an old thing from Dateline." Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it wasn't Dateline. It was whatever the an ABC News Magazine program that Diane Sawyer was hosting, and they did a whole segment about the set of Star Trek: The Next Generation Ooh. that was hosted by DeForest Kelly. Really, and it was great. But they were showing the production meeting uh-huh. uh, of an episode, and I believe it was the production meeting for the episode "Family," which is after Beth- "Best of Both Worlds," where the episode where the Enterprise has to go into dry dock for repairs, and Picard beams down to Earth and hangs out in France. Hmm. Um, and they were talking about how <laughs> they didn't know what a dry dock would look like. So they had to do some renderings of it and just like sitting in that, you know, because we've sat in production meetings for shows, but we sit at a show that... But didn't they, haven't they shown dry docks in in um, the movies? No, those are space docks. Oh, space docks. This Not, is on Earth. Well, no, it's a dry dock hovering. It's a dry dock hovering. It's orbiting Earth. I see. It's the thing that you've seen it before. Now you've seen it before, but they had to like design it. So like, it's just crazy to me to think that they sit in those production meetings Seven days before they're going to start shooting. Uh-huh. And they're like, okay, uh, the Enterprise is docked at dry dock above Earth. And then the production designer has to go, uh, okay, I have to draw that. I'm sorry. What, what, is, what were they at the beginning of Star Trek The Motion Picture? When, they, when the lights come on and... That's space dock? Space dock. I don't know. Listen, I'm just <laughs> telling you. All right, sorry. I didn't mean to pick up. It also at you. Like, doesn't look... Anyway, the point is, I'm just relating what they were showing. Okay. And I'm also... Trying to make a larger point about how fascinating it is that that team could make that shit up. Yeah. Like, you know, you come in, you show them a script, and it says, okay, the Borg are this creature, and they uh, have a square ship that looks like a cube. And right. then, like, you have se- they have seven days to yeah. build that shit. Right. It's insanity. It's so impressive. Yeah. On our show, it's like, do you want this ridiculous outfit Barry's wearing or yeah. this ridiculous outfit Barry's wearing? And that's it. Yeah. Like, I just... Like, to think that, like, they would come up with, in the script, alien races. Yeah. And then it would then fall on, like, Westmore to go make up that alien. I actually retract what I just said about our show because on in my episode, I said, can you make up the station wagon? Like, uh, well, I, you know, like an Adam West Batmobile and then make up this other thing like a Tim Burton Batmobile in less than a few days. <laughs> so, but whatever the case, yes, it's crazy. They're it's, doing like full movie production. Yeah. And also the production cost, they said it on the show. The original series cost $200,000 an episode to make. The original series. Yeah. Gotcha. And the next generation cost... And it was crazily expensive at yes, the time. Yes. And the next generation cost... Uh, they made the next generation for... 
uh, what, did the, what was the number? I think it was 1.6 million an episode. Really? That was a lot. I wonder what that the, you know, translates the, the to. The Goldbergs costs twice that, at least. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's what they could do. But that's, you know. That's now inflation, sure. Sure. Let's do a, let's see, let's see, inflation. Uh, inflation dollars from, uh, let's say it was 1991. My computer just restarted everybody. That's how kind of, that's the kind of Wi-Fi trouble I'm having. Is that bad? It's okay. I mean, it's just going to rely on you to really handle all of the sound. Okay. What's the amount? Uh, one one, one point, point six. Six. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2007. So this would have been 1989-ish? Like uh, it, it was probably 90. 1990. Okay. Uh, 17. Um, so it would be about uh, 3.1 now. So, like the same. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's crazy. I love it. it's just amazing but it it does point out the genius of the star trek um structure anyway because even though they're doing these crazy things and effects and all of it shouldn't have been able to been done for that amount at the same time uh and i think it's true in this episode in particular even though it's not a bottle episode they don't really leave the ship except to go down to the weird fake moon planet they go to that stage uh, mostly stage, on the bridge stage 26 is that where it is planet hell that's what they would call it on the crew <laughs> how come because the, the, it was just every planet ever and it was hell to build every week oh <laughs> <laughs> uh it looked a little fakey i gotta say whenever they were down there yes but i you didn't mind that because it's, it's a cute Q and created thing created it. yeah so i was like mm, no okay i would still like it anyway uh, the end of um, uh, Saqib's, uh, the last thing he says is, Finally, my parents are from India, and I will never forget discussing the Ferengi with my brother at the dinner table one day in front of my parents. They both looked at each other with surprise. It turns out that the Ferengi is the term used by Indians to describe the British who occupied the country. It uh, is originally from Arabic and loosely translates to foreigner, although it has a slightly derogatory meaning. Oh. Uh, please keep it up. I'm thoroughly enjoying the podcast. Great. Uh, good letter. Thanks for the email. This is from Stephen Heckert. Uh, reflections on your first eight podcasts. Hey, guys. Stumbled upon your podcast during a flu-shortened work week, and it made the lower GI portion of the illness slightly less excruciating. <laughs> um, regarding the chaos of seasons one and two, part of the confusion is the fact – I'm sure you'll have a lot to say on this – Uh-huh. is the fact that TNG was the brainchild of three periods of American culture – the late 60s radical movement, the post-Vietnam uh, pessimism, and the Reagan-Gorbachev uncertain optimism. Also, many of the scripts are written for phase, uh, were written for Phase 2, which, which you've said previously, mm-hmm. um, had the original series cast members plus three to five characters introduced in the motion picture in Wrath of Khan, Decker, uh, Ilya, Savick, and the uh, two Doctors Marcus. We can see many of these characters' personalities incompletely grafted onto the uh, TNG characters. Also, Gates uh, was under the impression that her character was going to end up in a relationship with Picard, which is clearly what they're leaning into at the beginning. Yeah. Something that was quietly killed, but she remained uninformed about the entire season. So he was saying, uh, is it any wonder these actors struggled with the, these badly written scripts? And then the second thing, do you have anything to add before I go on to the second thing? No. Life on a starship, uh, the starship mall, which we were wondering about. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there wasn't a mall, but there was an equivalent to the hotel ice slash vending 
small laundry rooms you find in hotels. This would have ha- have had larger versions of the mini bar replicators found in the average quarters. Maybe a holodeck style alcove where larger items could be modified before final production. And then, does that seem like that checks out to you? That sounds like a fun thing I never thought about. And then uh, you had you had asked about Kirk's tiny room in Star Trek V. Yes, I did ask about that. Uh, going all the way back to the age of sail, captains were typically assigned more than one different cabin. He would have sleeping quarters, sleeping quarters for honored guests, a captain's mess, and a day captain, a.k.a. ready room, very close to the command center. I feel it was this last room that was depicted in Star Trek V, thus explaining its cramped appearance. That's from Steve in Milwaukee. Oh, so that was his ready room he was sleeping in. Interesting. I think I may have locked into my mic. I think I finally... (laughs) I hear you. You've gone away from it once or twice already, but I think you're you're doing better. I'm doing better, (laughs) guys. By the time we're done with Star Trek Next Generation and on to Deep Space Nine... (laughs) Andrew Secunda will learn how to use a microphone. Matt and Andy. By the way, we're just let, we're just floating in front of our faces. These microphones. There's no studio. There's no, no. stands. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about building something today for my dining room table that would have stands. Yeah, we could just buy stands. Uh, yeah, but stands typically you'd want them. I'd want like the full fucking bendy thing. You sure. Know, the arm. Sure. Situation. Yeah. Anyway. It's not the place for this discussion. Patrick Sheehan says, uh, Matt and Andy, the Frankie obtained the captain's brain pattern from the transporter on the Stargazer. Per the previous episode, apparently uh. transporters keep a save file of those who use it. Uh, just a theory, not Andy's. Great show. Keep it up. <laughs> just a theory, not Andy's. That's a delightful way to end that email. Um yeah, there's a lot of. There was another email that was a. I think maybe I read it. There was a. There's a lot of questions about changing the, um, what the rules are of of recreating a person. I also read the uh, the technical manual, and uh, it was very weird. It's basically they're always trying to ride that line between you can't just recreate somebody. It's actually their matter you're taking, but it doesn't really check out. No. <laughs> That's what you have a Heisenberg compensator for. Mm. Stephanie Krop. Uh, I hope I didn't. Yeah, well, whatever. Did you crop that email? Uh, no. Her name is Stephanie Krop. Mm-hmm. Or unless I'm pronouncing it wrong. Hi, Matt and Andy. I've loved Star Trek Next Generation since I was young. And remember being in eighth grade, my teacher asking us, this is just a nice letter, uh, what our favorite TV show was. And then we had to talk about how it changed us. Hmm. When you're 13 and all the cool girls in your class are talking about Dawson's Creek and Party of Five, it's hard to admit that your favorite TV show is A, super nerdy, and B, (laughs) hasn't been on for years. I said that Star Trek Next Generation was my favorite and got all embarrassed and said I didn't know how it changed me. (laughs) This girl, Alex, who was much more popular than I was, said, well, I think it makes you sound smart because you understand what they're talking about. I don't know where Alex is now, but I still think of her fondly because of that moment. Oh, that's very sweet. Isn't that sweet? That reminds me of the time I went to a, a Halloween party in sixth grade, and I, I made my own Scotty uniform <laughs> and uh, didn't, didn't really didn't, have a great time explaining it, it to everybody who I was, why there was a tinfoil triangle on my shirt, my red sweatshirt. Uh, and then also I would wear... There, I guarantee you there are photos of little fat me. Um, I would wear a Star Trek The Next Generation cast t-shirt. By the way, school. I think... Oh, really? Yeah. To school, I would wear it. By the way, I think you found the uh, the name for your autobiography. If you ever... <laughs> 
little fat me. <laughs> uh, Andy, I've done uh, 900 podcasts. You know how many names for biographies people have said I've had? Oh, really? <laughs> I think you got a lot to choose from, and I've given you one more. Um, Adam Chase writes us, love the show, guys. Just uh, wanted to point out, because we just watched the Oscars. Um, uh, in case you missed it, Robert Legato just won the Oscar for Best Visual Effects for Jungle Book. Um, he was the effects uh, supervisor on Next Generation for five seasons. Keep up the good work. Um, uh, Andrews Peterson, uh, who had written one of our themes, mm-hmm. uh, said, I want to write to propose a new segment called Episodes Biggest Douche, EBD. This is an award to the character on the episode who just does some of the most prickish things. My funny. mother, this is sort of related, but not related to this i was just thinking about what i used to do when i was a kid and i wanted to show andy this photo my mother sent me yesterday okay that's jonathan frakes on stage <laughs> talking about star trek and uh-huh is that a trench coat he's wearing that's me and my sister right there oh wow she's the one in the in the, in the hat yeah cool hat. that's me and, my and that's sister. you yeah just like Leaning in like, what is Commander Riker going to say now? What's amazing about that picture is it's it's not it's like not even a profile of Matt Myra, and you can still see how big his smile is in that picture. <laughs> he could not be happier. It's really something else. I that was a Star Trek convention in Andover, Massachusetts, that happened in a parking lot because there was a problem with the ballroom. That's pretty, and amazing. everyone was going to leave, but. Jonathan Frakes said, I'll do it outside in the parking lot. Sure, he took control, and number one. Up, and they set up a stand. Just get outside to the parking lot, he said, <laughs> in an angry way I'll to turn someone. this ship around. <laughs> now, I'm sorry, I just wanted to show you that, but continue. No, I love it. Continue with your um, Okay, uh, Tess writes us, um, I cannot stop humming the Andy's Theories tag music all day, every day. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. <laughs> Is this some part of greater plan for world domination? I look forward to the podcast each week. Uh, yes, it is, Tess. <laughs> we are the Secundas. Oh, boy. Secundas of Borg. Uh, I look forward to this podcast each week. Can't quite decide if that's good or sad. It must be good, right? Let's it's say good. yes. It's good. Um, that really is good jingle work, I gotta say. <laughs> thing. Um, and on the note of Borg, uh, how far away are the Borg episodes? Season two. Season two. You season two, we meet them. End of season three is Best of Both Worlds, part one. That sounds so far. Um, Jacob Coburn says uh, In the battle, Troy was able to sense the emotions of the Ferengi, but in the last outpost, I thought it was established she could not read the Ferengi. Oh, line. it was indeed. There you go. Uh, not a lot of communication. Um, maybe though. Yes. Maybe though. This this vengeful Ferengi had such strong emotions mm-hmm. that Troy was able to feel them. Interesting. Sounds like bullshit. <laughs> but no, right. It was a Matt Myra esque delivery. Um, it's it's inevitable that we're going to become the same person by the end of this. Oh God! Um, I know. I'm really going to drag you down. Good and bad. Like. <laughs> um, this is from Marcus and Phoenix. Uh, I'd like to propose. I think this is a good suggestion. I'd like to propose a bit for the podcast where you point out corrections or revisit as error errors. That may have been stated in the previous podcast. And he came up with a good name for it, The Prime Corrective. That is a great name. <laughs> so, uh, open new opening for the theme song, folks. Uh, fantastic podcast. Keep it up. 
and then I'll just make this the last one. Uh, it's a little long, but I think you're uh, going to be happy about uh, what the person does who wrote it okay. to us. Uh, Andrew and Matt. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Matt Myra for introducing me in earnest to Star Trek, as I had never see- before seen a single... TNG previous mm-hmm. to Matt talking about extensively on Nerdist. Mm-hmm. I proceeded to watch all of the TNG DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise during the summer 2015 while wow. in school for engineering. <laughs> that is a tremendous amount of media you consumed, uh, Cody. Oh, it must have felt like, when you're in the middle of it, you must have felt like fucking Scrooge McDuck swimming through his money. <laughs> you're like, this media is never going to end. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny when you do that. You're just like, oh, I'm sick. I've watched so much, but I want to watch more. They'll <laughs> never run out. Uh, I only had one class that semester, semiconductor devices. So I had plenty of time to watch cool. 25 seasons of network TV. I've since graduated and I work on telemetry and power design for suborbital NASA research rockets. Sweet, bro. <laughs> Having now seen all the post-1980 Star Trek there is to see, I have to admonish Matt. Oh, this, so this ties into the uh, Prime Corrective, because he has, a, he has a, a bone to pick. Oh, please. I have to admonish Matt for stating in the Farpoint episode that Mott the Barber was introduced in TNG Season 4. What the fuck? Mott the horse-riding Tim Russ-fighting barber isn't seen until Season 6, Episode 18, Starship Mine. Knock it off. <laughs> Is that uh, true? I, I have to assume that this engineer from NASA did, I mean, did his research before he wrote this. He's email. 100% probably true. Uh, um, but I mean, he's a Bolian, and I feel like he might be on the ship working at 10 forward at some point that we meet him, maybe. Um, I don't know. Mod is a, bu- is a bully? A Bolian. A Bolian. Oh, that's the species he is. I see. Um, I think you should keep the rating system as Andy's, all caps, uh, like the ESPYs. I don't know what the ESPYs are, but I know they're in all caps, and that's all an engineer like me needs to know. Uh, Shaka, when the walls fell, Mirab with sails unfurled, Darmok and Jalad at Tangra. Tanagra. Tanagra. Well, he Mm. wrote Tangra. Uh, Tembra, his arms wide. Secunda and Myra at Earth. <laughs> That's you're gonna you're gonna understand that in uh, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I figured there would be some comment like that. Um, all right, and that's uh, that's hailing frequencies. Uh, you know what we need? Uh, hailing frequencies close. We need situation? hailing frequencies close. So Stephen Rains, if you're uh, if you're listening to this. Please send us one for that. I don't have one for that. Uh, I'm trying to see if I have anything that could be that. I don't. I don't. Oh, well. Not, at least not readily available. Okay. Um, so, Andrew. Yes. Hide and Matthew. Q. Hide and Q. What? I, I will not. I, I should By the way, this, this, is, uh, this is Sunday night. It night is. before we go back to work. Usually we record on Saturday. Yeah. So we have a little bit more pep in our step. So we're going to... We do have pep in our step? No, I'm saying we usually have Oh, I'm saying what's step. happening? No, no, no. <laughs> Where's my we pep? clearly do not. Where's my pep? <laughs> Where is it? There you go. He found it. <laughs> Omar, bring me my pep. Omar, he's bringing it in on a little, a little carrier on his back. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Battle Cat. <laughs> Guys, I uh, have the... Where is my Kindle? Oh, I restarted my computer, so it's not open. I'm going to read you the synopsis for 
the season one episode, Hyde and Q, which is called that because Q wants to play a game. Um, War games. <laughs> I forgot about that thing you do. You can't help it. <laughs> oh, come on, dummy. Hey. That's not to you. It was to my Kindle app. Hey, my feelings. Uh, $40 if you can tell me what the last thing my my Kindle book reading was reading. Mm. If I listened to you when you talk in regular life, then no, I, wouldn't you wouldn't I wouldn't have the answer to that. It was no. the uh, sheet music to This Boy by the Beatles. Oh. Um, I would have guessed Dave Matthews. Mm, interesting. Good guess. Okay, this is uh, aired first aired. November 23rd, 1987. You know what might be a fun segment to add to this program? What was going on that yeah. day? What, what happened that day, November 23rd, 1987? See if I can look it up. Directed by Cliff Bowl. November 23rd, did you say? Yes, 1987. Okay. Uh, directed by Cliff Bowl. Teleplay by C.J. Holland and Gene Roddenberry. That's right. Gene himself. Story by C.J. Holland. The... Synopsis is as follows. The meddling, troublesome Q returns just as the Enterprise is racing to help a disaster-struck mining colony, but this time his target is Riker. The alien creates a bizarre test for the first officer and his away team by sending fanged humanoids in Napoleonic costumes to attack them. Then he tempts Riker with the Q's power and lets him use it to restore Worf and Wesley, who were killed in the skirmish. Riker is worried about the power's influence on him, and when the Enterprise reaches the survivors of the mining disaster, he refuses to help revive a dead girl. Guilt over this leads him to yield the pow- yield to the power, and when Q presses him to grant his friend's wishes, Picard does not obje- object. Sight for LaForge, adulthood for Wesley, a Klingon mate for Worf, humanity for Data, but also, as Picard predicted, Gesundheit. they all turn down the gifts because of their origin. Q. Riker understands the lesson, and a humiliated Q gets called home by his continuum for losing the bet. Riker's power and the crew's well to the crew's wishes all disappear. Yeah. Maurice Hurley mm-hmm. used his pen name of CJ Holland on this episode. What what does he usually write? Who's Maurice Hurley? Uh, the writer. I know, but is why was he? Using he used a pen his name? pen name of C.J. Holland on this episode, a move he later called a misunderstanding over Gene Roddenberry's extensive rewrites. Oh. The issue was soon resolved, and in fact, proved to be a turning point in the way scripts would be handled. Hurley's original story postulated that there was only three Qs, but that a hundred thousand residents lived on their dying planet. Those residents needed assistance to escape their dying world. That's fascinating. Why didn't they include that? Would have been pretty cool. Huh. Uh, In the special week of November 23rd, 1987, uh-huh. uh, Reagan was president, obviously. Yeah. The U.S. People in the U.S. were listening to I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Medley. I've um, time of my life. What was the number one movie in the country at that point? Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Ah, great oh, week for movies. One of the most viewed movies. It didn't say it was number one. That's okay. Kaleidoscope by Daniel Steele was one of the best-selling books. Sure. And uh, 
China in Your Hand by Tapao was one of the top five hits also. Tapao? In the, in the, am I saying that wrong? Are you saying Tapao? It's a Star Trek reference. Yeah. It's not Tapao. Pretty cool. Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I thought you were, I was so defensive that I was saying it wrong. No, that I overlooked the I'm fact like, that obviously you're saying it's a Star Trek reference. Star Trek reference. We're talking about Star Trek. Yeah. Hi. I was going to actually about to say, I don't think we should do this. It takes me out of Star Trek being sort of timeless when I remember the cheesy <laughs> era that it was yeah. made in. But, um, but well, we'll try it out. Uh, we're going to read a little bit more from this. Uh, you do that. Q who. What is it? I keep getting hide and Q and Q who confused. Right. Director, returning director Cliff Bowl, who noted that the series was still trying to find its tone with this show, had prepared by reviewing Q's previous appearance in Farpoint. However, once the episode began shooting, he found that Delancey's affinity for the character and the actor's sheer talent made much of that work unnecessary. It is during the head-to-head battle of wits with Picard and Q in the ready room that the title of the captain's prized display book can be read, which is the Globe's Illustrated Shakespeare. What isn't so clearly visible is that the book, as usual, is open to Act 3, Scene 2 of A Midsummer Night's Dream, with two illustrations showing. Although Q refers to the Federation defeating the Klingons, later events such as those in Hearts of Glory suggest he is being typically sarcastic as hinted at justice, Klingon foreplay is seen here as rough at Michael Dorn's suggestion with extra Faith Minton as the first Klingon warrioress depicted in TNG. In a later episode, the Dauphin, Worf would imply that it was the male who is submissive. An admiral's dress uniform is briefly seen here for the first time before the duty uniform debuted in too short a season. As worn by Q, it has a wider gold braid for the tunic flak collar. That's all your info you're going to get out of the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemesic. Nice. So, let's hear the captain's log, shall we? Exciting. <laughs> captain's log, stardate 41590.5. Having dropped off Counselor Troy at Starbase G6 for a shuttle visit home, we were fortunately close to the Sigma-3 solar system when its Federation colony transmitted an urgent call for medical help. An accidental explosion has devastated a mining operation there. It is only when hearing him say that that I noticed that Troy was not in this episode. Oh, weird. <laughs> I noticed at the beginning and I was like, oh, I wonder if she was pregnant or what was going on. You don't have There's nothing in... Uh... No. In the alpha pages. They might have just forgotten her. No. Nobody, you don't forget somebody. I mean, we've forgotten some people sometimes. She might have had like one or two lines and they're like, you know what? It's weirder to have her halfway in. Than- Marina, just take the take the week off. Maybe they couldn't deal with what, like, I mean, that'd be an when interesting. When we get Marina on the show, we'll have to ask, what'd you do that week? That would be an interesting. How'd you spend your week off? That'd be an interesting, though, uh, sort of interplay between the characters though you have a all-powerful Riker and his imzadi like that would be an interesting thing to see that is true and also also something they probably couldn't write and they were like you know it feels like 
this would have been a good episode to have her so right. she could read what was going on inside him when he's uh, becoming a crazy, yeah. power-crazed god. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe she was a too much of a, of, a, of a... She would have been too much of an ex-machina. Right. Saying this is what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I would have liked it. Um, nonetheless, um, um, my... Uh, well, let's just go to this. I, I essentially the uh, the beginning of uh, of it for me is um, oh, why is it not letting me go to a place? Andy's perfect thing. episode. Oh, no. It is done at his second clip. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I was doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. It's just Could we get a supercut of Andy trying to figure out. If this is Q I'm addressing, we are on a mission of rescue to where a group of badly injured... We, the Q, have studied our recent contact with you and are impressed. We have much to discuss, including perhaps the realization of your most impossible dream. However intriguing that may be, Q, we are in the midst of an urgent journey. Once that is completed, then perhaps... You will abandon that mission, Captain. My business with you takes precedence. So, uh, first off, why... Why does he appear first as this three-headed snake, which he describes describes as an Aldebaran snake? Uh huh. Which I consider dumb. It's just a, a floating, glowing disc with three cobras on it. Sure, that's a that's an alien snake. Uh huh. Why does he first appear that way? Yeah, I think just, just to change it up. Ship. He's just, yeah. you know, he's being cute. The other thing he says, uh, when he says we are the Q, it always reads to me like he's someone who's lying about the friends they hung out with the previous night. <laughs> Everybody was there. Q was there. and We were Q talking about there. it. Me and Q and Q and Q and Q. <laughs> Q, do you mean just you? <laughs> Q said the funniest thing. <laughs> uh, how many Qs have we seen? One, two, in, in Star trek Dumb. Oh, they have different cues. In Canonically, there are. I'm not, and I'm not talking about Trelane, right? From it's the not, original series, not it's established not technically as a cue, but has been retconned as a cue. Okay. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six cues that I've seen. Speaking. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Just a lot to wrap your head around, Andy. You have a whole world ahead of you. Does it make sense? Does it add up by the end? Because I still think that Q does. Does the Q continuum add up by the end? Yes. They do a lot of interesting stuff with it. All a right. lot of that interesting stuff is done in Voyager, actually. It doesn't. The omnipotent being that is that seems to make as many mistakes as Q makes <laughs> seems to never know what's going on and is acting cocky even though he also, doesn't. if Q... Sorry, everybody. If Q can manipulate time and space... <laughs> can't even stay awake during our own podcast. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you think the listeners feel? If Q can manipulate time and space, why can't he move ahead in time and see how he's defeated and then make sure that doesn't happen? That's one of a million questions I have. I, does he not have access to what's going on in their heads? Can he see... Yeah, essentially. But can he see what's going to happen? I think for sure he does not have access to what's going on in their heads. Right. And I would say for sure he doesn't have access to time. No, he does. He can control time. He sure can, yeah. He can stop it. He can create a future. He can go to the past. Unless it's all just play acting. But then if it's all play acting, then I guess my thing is, where's the payoff? That's why I say what happens in the future with the cue. 
lots of stuff. And I don't feel like it's all play acting. I feel like they're presenting it as Q is legitimately pissed off when he loses at the end of this episode. Well, he wears an admiral uniform, and Picard's not happy about it. What is he? Starfleet Admiral Q. Neither am I an Aldebaran serpent, Captain. Uh You accepted me as such. Well, he's got us there, Captain. Ah, the redoubtable Commander Riker, whom I noticed before. You seem to find this all very amusing. I might. If we weren't on our way to help some suffering and dying humans who... Oh, your species is always suffering and dying. It's a great line. Go on, I further. don't have the rest of that, actually. Oh, you don't? Just have the clip. You're already... Oh, weird. Um, because uh, after that, um, Worf... Well, now I'll have to try and find it. Is it... No, this? Lieutenant Worf. You will make no move against him unless I order it. It's Pity. not the... Gr- you might have learned an interesting lesson, macro head, <laughs> with a micro brain. I enjoy that. <laughs> he says something about uh, his people, Worf's, the Klingons having been defeated. Yes, which I just talked about in that thing I was reading. But is it established? This is new information here, right? Uh, it is Q being sarcastic, which I had just read, but you were probably looking for something and missed me reading that part. I was looking for something. Yeah. We talked about that, Andy. The podcast audience and I, we know what's what. Guys, sorry. We've decided it's the, 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 the general consensus is that it was just Q being sarcastic and hyperbole. That seems like a cover for to protect canon. Oh, it is for sure a cover to protect canon. All right. <laughs> Um, this episode <laughs> immediately has Riker acting not like Riker. Why does Q have the hair? Do all admirals have that hair? What hair? He brushes his hair all forward. I think maybe he just felt like brushing his hair forward. <laughs> it seems like that's not not set up, but okay. Uh, what about right? What about Riker? <laughs> He's. He, I have had, in case anyone's wondering, a very long week and weekend. This was the weekend for my wife's egg retrieval. We had it very early this morning. We that went to Pomona last night to go to that Pomona. Shins concert. Well, that was your choice. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, God, it was great. They Isn't were so great? good. He's wearing a Shins shirt as we speak. I'm never. I, this is the most comfortable sweatshirt I've ever owned. Yeah. And I intend on wearing it for the rest of my life. All right. I'm going to wear it tomorrow. It looks good. Um, soft. I just don't want to wash it right now because it's so soft. Yeah, it's got that, that That's pre-wash like, softness. How do you do that? How do you maintain know. that softness? I don't know. I'm sure they rub it with something. If you're out there and you know how to maintain the softness of a brand new crew neck sweatshirt, yeah. please email the podcast. And I'll try not to wash it until that email comes in. <laughs> It'd be a great investment if you were an in- insane billionaire. Just to buy a buy know, a bunch of them, yeah. Just buy like three hundred sixty-five. <laughs> I might go see them at the El Rey on Friday, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about buying another one. There you go. There you go. There we both go. But so it's just so. For instance, the Q. What I mean about Riker not sounding like Riker. Oh no, stop! Listen to him here. Q. Neither am I an Aldebaran serpent, Captain. But you accepted me as such. Well, he's got us there, Captain. Not something I feel like Riker would normally say. Like he's, he's well, he's got us there, Captain. He's you mean because it's like coy. Riker or he's backing should, up. R- Riker should normally be like, "Q, 
get off the fucking bridge. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what that's what Riker would normally be. Doing. He's very amused by Q in this episode. He's so bemused. He, a, it's a bemusement. He's that delighted, is unearned. Yes. Anyway, that's that was my initial thought on this. It's like it's sort of like rewriting Riker. And when he's drinking the lemonade moment. down on the planet, he's just totally into the whole thing. Oh, he wants to be a Q so bad. <laughs> what the, he can, does he kind of see what's coming? And he's like, oh boy. <laughs> Oh, I me, hope that's what he means. Let me saddle up to my buddy Q here, and maybe I can have these powers to make lemonade. Does impossible powers mean I can be a Q? Milk, milk, lemonade, round the corner. <laughs> How does that tie in? <laughs> the word lemonade? Uh, I guess. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, my next thing is when Picard's alone on the bridge. Oh, I, that is kind of good. Which I Do you want me to play or you? I have it. Go. Apparently, our captain wasn't meant to be here with us. <laughs> That's just... Security, this is the captain. <laughs> Security? Engineering, this is the bridge. I love the sounds that uh, the buttons always make when... They don't work. Yeah. It's good. It's good aesthetics. All the details of the bridge and everything are really good aesthetics. I could watch a whole episode of Picard on the bridge by himself. (laughs) Just being trapped. Not knowing what to do. It's so... It's so joyful. (laughs) It's... (laughs) It's just uh, it's just Patrick Stewart doing his thing. His thing of being lost on the bridge by yeah. himself. Yeah. He's comfortable as an actor. He's it's he doesn't have an agenda he has to other than than he wishes he could he could do something to help. There's no panic. I love the calmness. <laughs> what does he do? What does he end up doing? Does he get chips? Does he watch a flick? Does he start doing a little soft chew? He can't get to a replica. Replicator. They're never replicator on the bridge? Not no, not there. Oh, well, that's too bad. It's not the Excelsior where they can just replicate a coffee in a fun cup that says NX two thousand NCC two thousand. Wasn't the Excelsior before this though? Yeah, it was. But I just they've never established a replicator on the bridge in this show. All right. I feel like you're a little cranky and you're kind of coming at me about this uh, replicator issue. And uh... <laughs> you know what? With vital information. Let's let's hear how Riker enjoys a lemonade. Okay. Oh. He's a little suspicious. He smiles and takes a drink immediately. Listen to that silence, folks. And now it's not great for podcasts. Incredible. I was just thinking about an old-fashioned lemonade. And so it became that. An excellent thirst quencher. Gets rather hot out here on this plane. What about my people? Ah, whatever they'd like, of course. (laughs) So Data doesn't drink his. Data doesn't want his lubricant. That's what he was given. He sometimes drinks that. It looks like Klingon blood wine was given to... He pours it out, throws it away. 
Drink not with thine enemy. The rigid Klingon code explains something of why you defeated them. <laughs> now, the line you wanted. Now, do uh, now when do we? How do we know that? Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how do we know that we did? They defeated them. I'm just going to keep repeating the same question throughout the podcast. <laughs> no, Andy. No. <laughs> I think uh, Q has messed with time for me. Um, I would love to hear that. So they just throw it out entirely after this episode. Throw what out? That the humans defeated the Klingons. No, I mean, there, there, there's a long Klingon war. Right. Uh, that eventually turns into peace. Turns into peace. I don't know if you're familiar with the Kinemer Accords. Uh-huh, sure. Well, that's why I was confused. God. Andy. So, all right, get with the program. We'll move on. Um, Worf was orphaned. Sure. During a Romulan raid. Okay. Um, and saved by the Feder- saved by a Federation ship, and then taken back to Earth, where he was adopted by Russians. I feel like not enough has been done with the Romulans in the show. I feel like the Romulans were cool. The Romulans, there's plenty of Romulan coming up. Oh, good. But there's no like. The Romulans, as I understand them, yeah. were like more deadly Vulcans. They that's were like Vulcans same. without a conscience. Exactly what they are. So that sounds like that's an awesome possibility for like the best villains ever. Right. I think they were always underwritten. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because I was watching. God, what was I watching? I was just watching some. Oh, I was watching in Star Trek Beyond. There's talk of the. That was Matt's computer. Uh, that was my computer. <laughs> uh, ugh. Just being told about what time I should be on set tomorrow for the reshoots. Uh-huh. I'm never going to sleep. It's never going to happen, Andy. I give up. Uh, but in Star Trek Beyond, they're talking about the Romulan War and the war with the Xeni. And I was just like thinking about like all these wars that have happened in the Federation timeline Who are the that Zini? we never got to see. Uh, it's an Enterprise alien. Okay. So... I gotta be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> I respect that. All right, I have another clip here. Go. Nothing if not imaginative. And the game should reflect that. Shall it be a test of strength? Meaningless, since you have none. A test of intelligence, then? <laughs> Equally as meaningless. But it needs risk. Something to win. And something to lose. If we must play a game, what would we win? The greatest possible future that you could imagine. Which, of course, requires something totally disastrous of your to lose. Now, the point of this game shall be, can any of you stay alive? If your game is fair, we will. Oh, for shame, Worf. Fairness is such a human concept. Think imaginatively. This game shall, in fact, be completely unfair. You've gone too far. Game penalty! Seems like a questionable time to a questionable uh, penalty or penalty. what? Yeah, seems like it's uh, all she did was sort of raise her voice. I feel like the motivation for her even objecting at that moment was a little bit questionable writing wise. It was it was a hard turn. 
Yeah. It was a, it was a, and uh, I think I looked in the script to see if there was any, it's like, oh, maybe there was some, there was a couplet cut or something. Nope. That was it. That was what was written. You read the script? Um, I'm now looking back when I'm confused by some scene to see if it was maybe written differently and they cut something out or if how was it, is it, that moment was explained. Are you getting shooting draft? What are you getting? Where are uh, you finding them? The, guy, the, the person who sent us the Star Trek Minutia uh, uh, website. They, you know, it's great. Uh, it's all the original shooting drafts. I think they're the shooting drafts. Oh, my God. Yeah. Andy, I'm jealous that you've looked at it and I haven't. Yeah. Uh. Oh, now I have a thing in my throat. But Myra's yawning. This is the worst ever. It's not the worst ever. By far, not the worst ever. <laughs> it's the worst ever in our future, or we've already done several. <laughs> um, uh, oh, we both ummed at the same time. Let's just let's really break down the plot so far. Okay, War. Uh, Q wants to play a game with Riker. Q is now fascinated with Riker. All of a sudden. He takes everybody to the surface of an unknown planet with two moons. Right. Where he's going to play a game. Yeah. And there's a penalty box. And what happens when someone goes in the penalty box? We see he's queued up to it. Oh, yes. All right. Because. Damn it, I can't even make a log entry. I wish I could help you, Captain. Where is everyone else? Down on some planet. Some planet? What are you doing here? Well, I, uh, uh, it sounds strange, but I'm in a penalty box. A penalty box? Q's penalty box. It sounds strange, but it definitely isn't. What? It's terrible I know writing. that one more penalty by anyone, and I'm gone. Gone. She's, she's yes, I am gone. <laughs> it is so frustrating to be controlled like this. Feels so bad for Dean Crosby in this uh-huh. scene. <laughs> Lieutenant. Tasha, it's all right. Uh, what in the hell am I doing? C- crying? <sighs> Don't worry. There is a new ship standing order on the bridge. Oh, and one is in the penalty box. It's the worst dialogue in history. It's not <laughs> when one is in the penalty box. Captain. Tears are perfect. <sighs> oh, if you weren't a captain. It's crazy. Is what? With lower ranked females, Captain? I shouted Especially at the screen at that moment. Boxes? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, I, and honestly, what's weird is... You know, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not a Q fan, but I gotta admit, up until this point, I feel like John Delancey's been doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I feel like the show's been pretty solid up to the second act. This scene happens, and I'm like, what the hell was this? Like, was this scene farmed out to the to Roddenberry's lawyer? This is <laughs> it's crazy. No one is acting like themselves in this scene. She has a breakdown for no reason. It's it it, it doesn't. And honestly, it uh, it led me to uh, to a theory, Matt. Well, I don't know if I'm ready to hear the theory until I hear something. Where are all the bathrooms at? Let an android have a cat. Is data just pretending to be so dim? 
No one knows the answers Least of all him It's Andy's theories I think uh, Tashior has a uh has an emotional disorder, maybe several emotional disorders. And, uh, you know, I, I, I give her some slack because she's gone through a lot of, a lot of trauma. Um, but she should not be head of security. Constantly reminded of. Constantly reminded of. She is, she, her, she is all over the place. So I don't know if it's a borderline. I don't know. She definitely has PTSD and that is messing with her constantly. For sure. And uh, like even when, like when Picard is sort of tries to help her, he puts his hand on her. She like brushes him aside, but then the next second she's hitting on him. She's that was such a crazy turn. So crazy! It's so inappropriate on every level, and she's aware of inappropriate. And she's it being does need to happen, and not at all. It's completely unjustified. The character wouldn't do that. The situation does not call for it. She's in a penalty box. And it's terrible writing, as you were pointing out. She goes, I, well, this sounds strange, but I'm in the penalty box. You know what? In Q's penalty box. As I said, it sounds strange. It just repeats it again. As I said, it sounds strange. <laughs> it's just awful on every level and totally unnecessary. And they beam, him, beam her back down. Like, a couple minutes later. So what's even the point of bringing her up? To get information to Picard. Which Q could have done. Yes. Andy, that's a great theory. I appreciate that. Uh. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Getting a little better. Okay, so this game, which is not really... There are no rules to it whatsoever. I'm not really sure what the goal of the game is. Like, are you aware of what the goal of the game is? Do you understand it? He says to survive, but it's very vague. Ugh. And, like, the... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to play the clip of uh, them in the ready room. Very good. France. Ridiculous. Well, one takes the jobs he can get. For example, star log entry, star date today. This is Q speaking for Captain Jean-Luc Picard, who we consider to be too bound by Starfleet customs and traditions to be useful to us. The Enterprise is now helpless, stuck like an earth insect in amber, while its bridge crew plays out a game whose real intent is to test whether the first officer is worthy of the greatest gift the Q can offer. So you're taking on Riker this time. Excellent. He'll defeat you just as I did. Shall we wager on that, Captain? Your starship command against... Against your keeping out of humanity's path forever. Done? Done. You've already lost, Picard. Riker will be offered something impossible to refuse. Yeah. Good scene though. I like the I liked I always have liked John Delancey and uh Patrick Stewart playing off of each other. Yeah, they're good foils. I just don't just story-wise, I'm just not I don't know. Q is he's uh, swaggering around. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's like what's what do you what's the point? What are you getting at? 
what's the i mean i will say that they at least suggest some of the uh the the possible motivations which actually are in a scene that i can queue up here it goes yeah got it cut what i'm not cutting this i don't got it not cut it oh thank god Certainly you must understand that at this moment you can send yourself back to the ship, or to Earth, or change your shape, and become anything you want to be. What do you need, Q? Need? You want something from us. Desperately, what is it? Want something from you foolish, fragile non-entities. Oh, come, Riker. You're beginning to sound like your captain. Now that's a compliment, Q, but that's not an answer. Riker, we have offered you a gift beyond all other gifts. Out of the goodness of your heart. After Farpoint, I return to where we exist, the Q Continuum. Which means exactly what? The limitless dimensions of the galaxy in which we exist. I don't understand. Of course you don't, and you never will. Until you become one of us. Until? Would you mind going over that again? <laughs> well, if you'd stop interrupting me. I mean, this is hardly a time to be teaching you the true nature of the universe. However, at Farpoint, we saw you as savages only. We discovered instead that you are unusual creatures in your own limited ways ways which in time will not be so limited we're growing something about us compels us to learn explore this is more of yes the human compulsion and unfortunately for us it is a power which will grow stronger century after century eon after eon eon so it's the ability to change have you any idea how yes. far we'll advance perhaps in the future that you cannot yet conceive even beyond us. So do you think he's lying so here? See, we must know more about this human compulsion. That's why we've selected you, Riker, to become uh, part of the queue. I do. So that you can bring to us this human need and hunger that we may better understand it. I suppose that's meant as a compliment, Q. Or maybe it's my limited mind. But to become a part of you, I don't even like you. You're going to miss me. We should get that sound for when we start the podcast. <laughs> we should. You are appearing. <laughs> um, <coughs> I don't like that so much. And it's kind of the same thing that I have a feeling you don't like about Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. That it's this undefined thing that he is. And he can kind of You're incorrect. be confident and swagger around, and yet his motivations like are totally unclear. I like Q. Because we don't know really what he can and can't do. He's and the things he can and can't yet, yeah, if he's omnipotent, then why does he ever get angry at them? Why is he ever in a position where he's behind the eight ball? He wants to be right. But he would know everything they think and that they're going to do. Um, He's not... Truly omnipotent. He is an alien species that has existed forever. 
and that continue to exist and have powers of near omnipotency, but I guess not omnipotence. It just feels like it's almost like a writer from the show swaggering around, getting to be in the show, going like, hey, I'm in the show, uh, but not really taking the time to figure out what that character can do or not. It's the like Q, a, I'm going to read the uh, uh, the Q were seemingly omnipotent and immortal species who inhabited the Q continuum, possessing the ability of instantaneous matter, energy transportation, transformation, and teleportation, as well as the ability to time travel. The Q have control over space, time, matter, and energy. In addition, Q spectacularly claimed to re- possess an IQ of 2005. Uh, See, that couldn't possibly be true. They didn't make official contact with the Federation until 2364 when the crew of the Enterprise met Q. At least one Q acting on his own had inadvertently influenced human affairs since at least the time of Isaac Newton. That's just a vague reference that's no, been it's made a, somewhere. It's a, it's, you'll see it eventually when you start watching. Well, it's in Voyager. It's in Death Wish. When that Q wants to die. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've watched Voyager. I can't wait to watch it again. Well, like I'm Voyager. excited for you. I miss Jerry Ryan. Who doesn't? She was on the lot the other day. What? Yes, she was, yeah. And I didn't see her? I didn't see her either. I was told that I walked by her. And had, had I seen her, I would have said hello. We're friendly. You're friendly with Jerry, with Jerry Ryan? Yeah. Is she nice? I bet she's, she's nice. She's fantastic. She's a delight. She's great. We did the... the um, she was on the Star Trek 50th anniversary documentary History Channel special I hosted. Oh. Um, all right. What's your next thing? Watching you struggle. <laughs> I can just turn it back at you. We can just let this whole thing come to a halt like Picard on his empty bridge. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> this bridge isn't that empty. Well, let's talk about how everyone refers to the aliens as animals. Like the things that are chasing them in French Revolutionary War uniforms. Very, are, It's yes. so weird because they have seen every species like... They've a, seen hundreds of species. 100%. They've seen species that look weirder than that. They've seen species that look... Uh, I'm sure similar. I mean, even the fucking guys that were eating each other on the Enterprise three episodes before. We're weirder looking. We're weirder looking than these guys. Yes. Yet they all refer to them as animals and don't know how to, like, categorize them. Even Worf, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe yes. Not. Definitely Data, and he should be the one who's the most scientific. Um, yeah, Data doesn't know how to describe it either. That I find uh, dumb. Data's acting strange in this episode, I would argue. Data is... He does act strange, especially at the end when he's trying when he's going to be given the power. Yeah. He acts very emotional for someone who is... The issue is whether someone gives him humanity or not. Uh, um, so... Uh, so, he's given these powers. We're, we're seeing a Revolutionary War soldiers... Worf is doing... I like Worf's recon move. I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. They make a huge deal about how fast uh, Worf is moving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which already, by the way, sitting there with his arms crossed, like, just chilling. Um, which is kind of a funny scene. Um, but that's sort of an interesting thing. Now, is that touched on? 
Because I feel like Worf is usually set up thus far, not only as the person who everyone tells he's wrong, but also as someone who, like, even, like, at the beginning of this episode, oh, he jumps in between, by the way. There's this, this move where he jumps over the railing on the bridge. and yeah, he does that a lot. That's his move. And That's to block, to sort of protect Picard, and points the phaser, and uh, Tasha points the phaser at this being that they know is omnipotent because mm-hmm. it's a completely crazy thing for them to do. Yet they do it every time. Every single time. But uh, beyond that, uh, you can tell it's Michael Dorn that does that stunt. And uh, he, almost, he almost takes a fall. It's a pretty impressive stunt. It's like when um, when Vankman jumps to meet Sigourney Weaver to meet Dana in, when she comes to the firehouse for the first time. That's right. You hear... You hear uh, Bill Murray's heels click the railing he's jumping over. Oh, yeah. That's how close he comes to fucking breaking his neck. out. (laughs) What a great moment. It is a great moment. Good old Bill Murray. There's a formed skirmishing line, I think you'd call it. And they're headed this way. Armed with ancient ball and powder muskets? That's what their weapons look like, sir. Muskets are appropriate to the 1790 to 1800 French army uniforms, sir. But it is hardly a weapon by our standards. A lead ball propelled by gunpowder, 100 meters at best with any accuracy. Yeah, but against phasers? Just one of our hand phasers could finish off an entire regiment. Except for one thing. It hardly sounds like Q to give us an advantage like that. Unless... Rock explodes for no reason. Drop your weapons! I'm afraid that was me, Worf. I was checking to see if the phasers still operate. Then it makes Worf look like a dummy, where he goes to shoot in the complete the opposite direction. direction. Very strange. After they've spent like five minutes showing how, how agile and amazing he is. It's so dumb. Um, okay, so this is uh, Picard trying to, trying to talk Riker into not being a god. How the hell do I advise you? You know the implications as well as I. You know what? Pause that for a second. No one has ever. I'm just trying to figure out what that noise is. The little static. Yeah. That is gone. Uh, and then. Uh, How the hell do I advise you? It's back on. Oh, uh, you know the implications as well as I. No one has ever offered to turn me into a god before. What the Q has offered you has got to be close to immortality, Will. They're not lying about controlling time and space. We've seen it in what they can do. You've also seen it in what I can do. If you're going to refuse his offer, you must not allow yourself to use this power again. It's too great a temptation for us at our present stage of development. Are you worried that I won't be able to say no to it? You tell me. Are you strong enough to refuse to use that power? Certainly. No matter how tempted, no matter how difficult Q makes it for you. You have my word. Good. I know what your word means. Do you want more? No. Um, I uh, I understand the overall thing. Uh, it's pretty obvious. This is a power corrupts, and they even say it in the show. Power, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, but I feel like there are nuances to this question that they raise... Um, a valid uh, uh, 
uh, problems with, like the the little girl dying, and then you know, and then Riker is stuck and he can't bring her back to life. But I don't feel like they really the way that they sort of sidestep is step it is when he gives gifts to the people at the end. And then they're all like, no, I'd rather just develop on my own, or I'd rather... Yeah. And I don't feel like that addresses the major question that they brought up, which is, what if you can save lives or or advance humanity or, or, or prevent pain? Well... And I understand the general concept is, well, it's going to destroy Riker in the end, and they therefore accelerate the time that he would have been turned into a total dick by having him I mean, immediately call Picard John Luke, even he's, though he's, that's absurd. It is so absurd. It's so absurd. The, the, the writing to Riker in this episode, I think, is its biggest misstep. Um. I think that the changes that the character makes on a dime are just ridiculous. And it's only, I guess it's after, is it right after that girl, he could have saved the girl, that he starts to behave like that? Yes. He comes in and he's, here I have that, I have I, that scene. Do you have anyone well, you got to keep yeah, it? If indeed you have the power of Q. I don't understand. Certainly you can't bring her back to life. I can't. I'm prevented from that by a promise. Here he starts to be a dick right here. should have never made that agreement with you. I could have saved that child. You were right not to try. Once you became accustomed to that power, number one. When I used it before, what happened? I saved most of our bridge crew. And when you grow to like it too much? As soon as it's convenient, Captain. I want a meeting with you and your bridge staff. As soon as we are secure of this rescue operation, I'll discuss all of this new power... Just walks away. Just walks away. Fucking dick move. Total dick move. Like, come it's on. just like, dude. I know you're omnipotent. Here's the deal. But like, relax. I was upset with Andy for, let's say, Andy made it so I couldn't save a, a, a colony person after I went to a planet, which is something I would do. Totally. I beam back up to Andy's apartment. <laughs> I'm not gonna be like. Andy, what the fuck? I could have saved that colonist. What I would actually say is like, it was fucking crazy. I really could have, like, I could have saved the colonist, but like, we're cool. Right. And then like, we'd sit and watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I made a promise, bro. And then we'd do a, <laughs> really? We'd just back away from it immediately? I'd be like, minimally, you know, I would go like, I hear you, I hear you. I just got a bad vibe, you know? I just feel like, eh, something's going to go wrong, you know? Yeah, it's cool. You want to go to Norm's? Sure. 
Oh, it's going to be such a line. I know. Every such hour of the day. It's an institution. Have we talked about how you made me go to Norm's several times? And every time there's a giant line. We've only, and it's Norm's. We've only gotten to eat there one time. That's right. Because we're impatient. It's insanity. It's the busiest place. In Norm's that. on La Cienega, guys. Check oh, it out. Jesus. Um, so, okay. That just happened. He's a huge dick. He backs up. Let's just hear him call... Uh, Let's just hear him with the Jean-Luc gang of it all. Okay. We can confer here on the bridge if no one has any objection. The bridge will be fine since I called the entire staff. Correction number one. Knowing the decision you face, I've permitted you this gathering. Of course, Jean-Luc. What? Why? That makes no sense. It's bad writing. Although Patrick Stewart does an amazing face in response to that. He does. Wesley, this meeting is not for you. Why not, sir? You helped make me a bridge officer. Acting ensign. All right, he stays. Because I've been given unusual powers, I'm not suddenly a monster. Except for these abilities, and I don't yet know how far they go, I'm the same William T. Riker you've always known. No one's buying it. Not no. one person. No. and, I, and Because really... you've established you're not. <laughs> right. Everyone still looks uncomfortable. But only by being a dick to Perhaps Picard. Perhaps all yeah. remembering that old well, saying, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. Do you believe I haven't thought of that, Jean-Luc? Have you noticed how you and I are now on a first name basis? Number one, Will. He's still Something good. has happened already. In what way? It's not grounded, and it makes no sense. But something has happened already. <laughs> it hasn't progressed in any logical fashion. Like, what would you use your omnipotent powers for? You're already fucking first officer on the galaxy class starship. It's true. You have a holodeck. Yep. You can replicate any grilled cheese you want. Yep. Oh man, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> really sidetracked me with that. <laughs> I just like don't I don't this like this omnipotency when you're William T. Riker makes less sense to me. And also I think that in this situation And let's let's be honest, you can probably get with uh, at least whatever holiday lady you want. Oh, I was gonna say seventy five percent of the live ladies sure. on the ship, but any holodeck lady or fella. Well, certainly that too. Um so I think this is this is the scene that is that is missing Deanna Troy so desperately. Valid. This is the scene where Troy would be like, um, Will, you're being a fucking weirdo right now. Right. And even then, even if it was like, even if he wasn't saying these weird cues and changes in, in behavior, she could say, he is drunk with power. Yeah. It's, it or he's like, he resents you. And, right. Uh, yeah. I'm feeling deep resentment. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, he, if he, I think he is resenting being a submissive. Uh, just being a, a underling to Picard at this point. 
You know what I think the problem is looking at it? Because they cover a lot of ground. The and Yes. And uh, and the Q stuff is, is fine in the first two acts. I feel like they needed to just squeeze everything down to the beginning, take out the gifts of the people at the end, and make it uh, like he gets the powers earlier, and then... Um, and then he he faces more of a big the a big crisis than the one little girl it may have been a budgetary constraint and there's like several things that really make him go and and Picard's just like no no you can't well you this can't. this almost this plot yeah almost verbatim will happen again it seems like something also that's happened before I don't know in the original series is there any, certainly these themes have been addressed but I don't know if there's an episode called True Q. Uh huh. Where a girl starts to develop Q powers and come to find out she's her parents were Qs who were killed by the continuum. Uh huh. Uh, and she has to decide if she wants to be a Q or stay in Starfleet. Uh, you know. And there's this whole this whole struggle. Omar has some things to say. Of like, do I do I abandon everything I've ever known for these newfound powers, or do I? Not use it like I've just promised the captain. Right. So it's the same exact thing. Oh, yeah. Does it play out in a more satisfying fashion? Much. Hmm. Much more satisfying. I mean, I feel like we should... I don't know exactly where to start. I feel like we should just watch the whole gift sequence. It's just so crazy. But if you want me to just focus on uh, the wharf thing is... The wharf thing hilarious is my least favorite of the bunch. And awkward. Um, Just definitely because of the, you're in a crisis situation essentially, right? You're oh, you're hearing something. Yeah, there's something. I wonder which. I bet it's coming from here. Oh no, it's not. There, there, there. About. Well, you know what? A little static. Never hurt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies to everyone. Uh. <laughs> What was I saying? Oh, you're in the middle of this situation where William, your first officer, is uh, deciding whether or not he's going to use these uh, new powers he has, essentially. And they, they like, LeVar Burton or Joy LaForge pumps the brakes to go, Worf, is this sex? <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> so insane. Um, he, it, oh, yeah. Sorry, are you playing something? Because I have this down. No. Wes. Not bad. <laughs> he makes Wes into an adult. A weird casting choice for that guy. It's Wes. also not bad. It's got to be. It's it's so strange because now we know what Wes looks like as an adult. <laughs> Where he just looks like a. He looks like like a taller version. Like a guy of, out of a Kmart catalog. This guy does. Yeah, this guy. Hundred percent modeling yeah. that jumper. Yeah, as opposed to. Will Wheaton. Who looks like Will Wheaton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, obviously, it's going to be tough, but try and find somebody who looks like him. Like, and the interaction between him and Jordy is just like... Let's... Data. No. No, sir. No. But it's what you've always wanted, Data. To become human. Yes, sir. That is true. But I never wanted to compound one... Illusion with another it might be real to Q perhaps even you sir but it would never be so to me was it not one of the captain's 
favorite authors who wrote, this above all, to thine own self be true? Sorry, Commander. The smirk on Picard's face. <laughs> Reading those bedtime stories over the ship PA really has turned everyone into <laughs> masters. I know you want. And tonight, a tale of two cities. I know what you want. Visorless LaForge. And he also, out of nowhere, is hitting on Tasha. (laughs) Yeah. And that hasn't been established. Beautiful as I imagined. In any way. And more. We know that. And we can he wants to have sex with... But if you weren't the captain... He wants to have sex with the Enterprise, or I Wesley as an so. adult. Price is a little too high for me. And I don't like who I'd have to thank. That part makes sense. But the, right. I mean, the, I don't like who I have to thank is just sort of, well, I know that Q is Maybe somebody not to trust. But the, the price is too high? That means nothing. Please... Yes, blind again. I did it. By the way, it gives nothing to Tasha when hers is the most obvious. Just cure her emotional Proud disorders. warrior wharf without a single tie to his own kind. So awkward. <laughs> it's very awkward. He's basically bringing... Like he's got he's an, starting like, a bachelor party for war in front of everyone else. Bats are away, right? Yep. And then, where is it? Where's the question? Oh, it's going to happen, guys. It's going to be well worth this preamble. Great. uh, The soundtrack gets better every episode. The music, I see. She's from a world now alien to me. Worf. Is this your idea of sex? This is sex. But I have no place for it in my life now. No place, microbrain. What possesses you? Is he saying he has no place... Commander Riker? For sex? That's what he's saying. It's too soon for this. If this is because your mother objects... No. I'll make her disappear. <laughs> I just want to get there on my own. Honest. But it's easier, boy. Listen to Riker. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't add up. Like How what? did you know, sir? I feel like such an idiot. Quite right. So you should. 
mean I love Patrick Stewart, but none of this makes sense. It's all over, Q. You have no further business here. Human, you have just destroyed yourself. Pay off your wager. I recall no wager. I'm sure your fellow Q remember that you agreed never to trouble our species again, just as they're aware that you failed to tempt a human to join you. No, no, if I could just do one more thing. Q, I strongly suspect it's some explaining you have to do now. God, I wonder how many takes they had to get to that scream. <laughs> Everybody moved slightly. <laughs> That's also was confusing and weird. <laughs> we reappeared five feet from where we were. Uh, yeah, so ultimately, Riker doesn't get powers because uh, everyone rejected his gift. Yep. And that's hide and cue. But I don't, it just doesn't, what, what does it prove? How does this tie into humans can change? Humans want to earn everything on their own. Yeah, but that's not. They don't want to be. That wasn't tied into what anything. Q's premise was. It was that they can, or, or was it? It's that they can, they can, they can earn it on their own. They, it's, it's the challenge that makes them human. Yeah, and they're saying, like, the thing that Q may or may not have been lying about to Riker is that eventually the humans will become, will surpass even the Q. Well, that, that's, that part's interesting. Right? So what Q's trying to do here is accelerate that. Uh-huh. Um, and they're saying, no, we want to go on that journey ourselves. Or many millennia that might take. But why? <laughs> why do they want to go on? I Look, think here's what I'm the... saying. I, if I had the opportunity to be omnipotent, mm-hmm. I would just take it. Of course you would. I'd be okay. I wouldn't. I deserve to be omnipotent. I would promise you that I'm not going to save any colonists. I would save everybody or not save them as was my whim. <laughs> if I could wish anything right now, yes, I'd be in bed sleeping. What an amazing wish that would be to waste. Matthew, <laughs> like I'm, going to, like... I'm going to grant your wish. <laughs> what? You see, this is where we need the sound effect. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is the reason I hate Q <laughs> because I'm jealous of Q? <laughs> oh, you are so jealous of Q. Do I want to be Q? <laughs> I don't want to be Q. I'd want to be... I would love to be omnipotent. I'd be know. the best omnipotent person ever. I would make you not yawning now. As much as I, as much as I want to be like, I, I would love to be like, like I would love to be captain of the Enterprise or something like that. Like, Very good. It shall be so. Right. <laughs> like if I got put into that position, yeah, and Star Trek became real, uh huh, and I was thrown in, I would not a know how to read a fucking Elcar screen. I'd be like, I don't know what the sensors are saying right now. I don't know what these fucking buttons do. Uh-huh. I'd be a mess. Even with all your, your Even fandom? Even with all my fandom. Because they're meaningless buttons. They're nonsense. They're just like 64-3. Yeah, but there has to be some, like in uh, Galaxy Quest, there has to be some thing that they repeated to, uh, you know, that, that built some kind of logic, right? Right. Maybe, but I, I don't know that I'd have it. So, but I'm, what I'm saying is... But if you're the captain, don't you just say... You know, full impulse power, well, again, et cetera, et cetera. Captain, I don't know. I don't know protocol. Like I'm going to mess up at some point. Well, they're going to sure, but and then they're going to take command from me. Let me and put it this I'm way: gonna be, I'm going to be. You wake up. You're in her. Picard's body. Yeah. Oh. Um. And uh, you're like, oh god, I can't for whatever reason in the plot. I can't. I, so I look into a mirror and I say, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> oh 
my God, this is the greatest episode of Quantum Leap ever. Oh, we got to write that. Uh, okay, so I'm looking in and I'm That's saying, oh boy. That's a great spec oh to send around. Nobody steal that. Me and, me and Matt are going to write that and get a job on some oh, you crazy sci-fi show. In a second. Um, Ziggy says you're supposed to fuck Tasha. <laughs> Are you sure that's not just you, Al? No, that's what Ziggy says. <laughs> Ziggy says I gotta watch. <laughs> Ziggy says if I don't jerk off while you're fucking Tasha, this whole thing goes. <laughs> Sam, I really don't think that's true, Al. No, Sam, it is. It has nothing to do. We're under attack. Ziggy says if I'm not coming, we're all dying. <laughs> um. I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> with with great reason. Well, we went on a fun run of the Quantum Leap episode. That uh... Uh, Anyway, my point is, uh, I think you would figure it out. I you, think you'd be great. I don't know that I would. And I would be a great cue. I think I'd be so confused. I would probably be in violation of the Prime Directive 14 times in my first five minutes. You don't have faith in yourself as a captain. I think you would learn the, the protocol. I think you've watched the show enough to know how you're supposed to seem, and that's half the job, clearly. Well. (laughs) I love this song. It's very relaxing. It's such an upbeat song for a show that at times is very serious. Definitely. Ziggy says you gotta fuck everybody. <laughs> Sam, you gotta fuck Jordy. I remember there was an episode where he was excited he was leaping, and it felt like he was just excited because he thought he was gonna fuck people. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I'm leaping. Uh, uh, it's just interference, Al. Uh, ah, rats. <laughs> uh. All right, pal. You know uh, it's time for uh, MVC, I believe. MVC, eh? It's time for MVC. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, turn yours you down. Get... Okay, should I do it and again? We're gonna do it again and see if it doesn't peak. Here we go, Andy. Oops. Okay. In the Vastness of space when the going gets rough, you gave it your all, you showed the right stuff, you managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. That's why you're this week's MVC. That's from Kenny Dixon, if I hadn't mentioned that before. Tough call this week. Is it? But really, for me, there's only one person who's in control of his faculties throughout the entire episode. Jean-Luc Picard. The most valuable crew member is the captain of the Federation flagship. Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, who, why do you say it's tough? That who else is even in competition? Uh, no, I, I feel like so few people had any control over this plot. Sure. That's why it's tough. Oh, I see. Yes. Like, ultimately, really. Yeah. Picard just allows something to happen. He does nothing. They do nothing. Um, he talks to to Riker. The, uh, th- this is the problem. I don't know. This is, uh, here's an interesting question. Because many of the original series plots, all if not 
most of them hung on a speech about humanity. But I feel right. like, or about, you know, some philosophical thing about good and evil or whatever it is. Yeah. But I feel like that was in tandem with some actions that they were taking, technological or, or otherwise, to, to secure their survival. And in this in this show, it seems like I mean, this it hangs really on these just, questionable speeches and, yeah. and not much action. Just a lot of a lot of talky talk. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, but it's it's Picard is your MVC because he's the only one who seemed himself through most of the episode. I agree. Everyone else is off. Worf's off. Tasha's off. Data's off. LaForge is. Maybe his weird okay. self. Okay. LaForge is okay. Yeah. What was your original LaForge theory? Uh, it was originally that he was a pedophile. Uh-huh. I don't know how to feel about that, that he is now super into Wesley when he's an adult. Yeah. Um, but I adjusted that to that he is a mechophile. Yeah. Okay. He wants to That's cool. have sex with the ships around him. Well, who doesn't? Um, and uh, the only thing remaining... Two votes for Captain Picard. To do is... Uh, is uh, here how, how many? many? <laughs> oh, did I not load this? Oh, how wow. many Andes oh, are wow. we given this episode? The Andes. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Um... <laughs> it's an interesting question. I'm going to go to halves uh, just to, for FYI. Whoa, whoa. We didn't discuss this. We can't you can't do just it? do this? I can't. I'm in my ready room here, and you're just dropping this on me like a book of Shakespeare? Matthew, I will do what I wish. I am omnipotent. Andy, no, you can't. If you use this power <laughs> to give half ratings to things, then that changes the course of the evolution of the show. I don't care. You're accelerating it. We shouldn't go to half ratings until three seasons in. I could have saved those ratings. <laughs> no. <laughs> Automatic defense procedures initiated. <laughs> Sorry, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> um... This is a tough one because um, I think the beginning of the show is sound, yeah, and I think uh, the Q is even more purposeful than he usually is. And I think I gotta say it's a pretty good performance by John Delancey, um, even though a lot of the Q stuff bothers Always. me. Um, and I feel like Patrick Stewart is good. And there's interesting. It's a little closer thematically. I think I know what your rating is going to be. I think I'd give it a four, four Andes. And it would be a four and a half, wouldn't it? It would be a four and a half. If you got a half. If I gave it a half. I agree with that in 100%. Interesting. Have we agreed totally? A couple times we A couple have. times? Right. Uh, yep. We're going to go half ratings. All right. Because we both had four and a half in our head. Yeah. This is 4.5 Andes. Wow. It really did it. Big changes today. Big yeah, changes on the show. A lot of show. stuff happening. And if you have a, um, a, uh, a a prime corrective to offer next week. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. So Get many. your geek on, folks. Let us know. Get your geek on. Get your geek on. Try and keep it tight in the emails if you can. Goodbye.
Oh, hey, Andy, I came back. It sounded like you were going to end the podcast without me. Oh, I'm and sorry. I hit the button too. I soon. didn't know. <laughs> I thought. I think you beamed me somewhere else. No, I was beamed away. No, That's I, why might I, been, was I might have been put in a penalty box. I just, I just can't handle it. All right. <laughs> You're the. <laughs> what was that? I'm going. This is... Oh, it's just me. I can't even leave a captain's log. I disengage.